We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron. Welcome in, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Zach Pearson. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Lemming, and the countdown continues to training camp, Aaron. We are just under, looks like a week away until the start of a scheduled training camp here for the Chicago Bears. Yeah, the, the countdown of we don't know when it's going to end. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's that's pretty much where we're at. I mean, it's it's crazy, man. I mean... You know, we'll, we'll dive into it a little bit before we get into the, the defensive preview this week, but uh, there's no preseason. I mean, the, the, both the league and the uh, NFLPA have agreed that there's going to be no preseason. Uh, we're just talking about it before we jumped on, and you could probably break it down a little bit better. Um, I mean, there's going to be a ramp-up period. I mean, it's the, the normalcy of how camp would go, even without fans. Just take the fans out. Just the normalcy of camp and preseason, and then the ramp-up to the season. I mean, it's basically going to be – you know, three to four weeks of closed off practices when it's all said and done. And then week one, everybody's going to be taking the field, playing against another team for the first time. I mean, this entire offseason, it's just it's crazy to think how different and how sloppy these first few games of the season are really going to be. Yeah, I mean, I guess I should say like almost an endless countdown, because even though training camp is supposed to start next week, there really won't be much like on the field stuff. And I mean, that's still, you know, the, the report dates, we don't know when they're actually going to hit the field for any practices or anything like that. And last week when you and I were talking, um, you know, some stuff kind of was going on as we were recording, um, as the NFL and the NFL PA, the players association kind of continue their battles because it, I mean, it, it, 
it, it's a lot of unknown. And, you know, since we last met, I mean, it kind of feels like the NFL had, you know, three to four months to make a plan. This virus hit in March. They adjusted for the draft. They, you know, free agency was a little odd. And, you know, you and I are both baseball fans. Um, and, we, and we saw the MLB kind of have their struggles with getting a season to go, get going. And they're finally going to do it this week. You look at the NBA and they do the bubble. Um, NHL is doing a bubble. MLS is doing a bubble. MLB is not doing a bubble. NFL really can't do a bubble. But, like, to me, you know, I, I kind of felt like the NFL was just waiting kind of in hopes of, okay, maybe this, this COVID-19 pandemic will slow down and we can just go on with normal. And I think realistically, any normal person kind of, you know, didn't think that way. They thought, you know, it's not going to be normal in, in August or September. Like, we're probably not going to be normal till next year. And that's why we kind of see all these, you know, battles between the NFL and the NFLPA of, is there safety procedures in place? Um, are we going to do the training? Are we going to do training camps on time? Uh, will we have preseason games? You know, what's kind of the procedure like? And for me, I just, it just felt like the NFL kind of just sat there the whole time and was just like, oh, you know, we'll just kind of, in a way, make it up as we go. Well, yeah, I mean, the NFL got caught with a pants down. It's like they've had months and months and months and months. I mean, it was six, I think it was yesterday, it was a six-month anniversary of basically the coronavirus really hitting the U.S. I mean, this, this, is, this has been something that they have been able to plan around and start getting some sort of idea of what they want to do for a while now. And then, you know, all of a sudden teams get ready to report and rookies get ready to report and all this other stuff. And all of a sudden it's like, there's been nothing resolved. And ultimately what it came, came down to was players had to get on social media and basically blast it out and say, you know, we, we don't want to show up and put ourselves in, at risk. We don't want to put our families at risk. Like, there's no plan moving forward. And all of a sudden, the NFL's throwing things together and, and trying to get things situated. And it's just typical. I and mean, it's just typical NFL for you right there. But I I think they have a solid plan moving forward. Um, it's kind of one of those things for me. It's it's I'm glad that they're going to be getting the daily testing. But at the same time, it's also kind of one of those things when you look at I mean, we're talking sports here. I mean, I, obviously, we love the Bears. Anybody listening to the show loves the Bears, uh, but in you know, loves football and loves sports. But the reality is, is it's still kind of an eye-opening thing that the professional athletes can get tested at the drop of a dime on a daily, you know, a, a daily thing. And yet, we still have a lot of people out there who can't get tested, just normal, everyday people. So, that, I mean, that's kind of sad. But I mean, but that also shows the power that sports hold in this country, especially economically speaking, and why even if there's no fans in the stands, which the NFL basically mandated something today, basically saying if there's fans in the stands this year, masks need to be worn. I think we're starting to see, regardless of what your viewpoint is on the coronavirus and whatever else is going on, that masks seem to be working the best to lower things and keep things lowered. So I think, obviously, if there are fans in the stands, I think Atlanta, the Falcons sent out a, an email today to their season ticket holders basically saying that there's going to be ten to 20,000 fans at every game if they allow fans this year. And I think that some teams are going to follow suit with that. I think there's going to be other teams, and I think the Bears are probably going to be one of those teams where – they're probably not going to have fans this year. And it's going to be very interesting to kind of see. I mean, we've, like you mentioned, I mean, baseball is, they've had some inner squad stuff going on. And then the last few days have had scrimmages going on. The White Sox and the Cubs played each other two times. And it was definitely weird. Um, but at the same time, 
I think it's one of those things that production-wise, I think we can kind of get used to something. It's one of those, kind of like the UFC. When the UFC first started, it was kind of weird. But then it's like you, you watch a few events, and all of a sudden it's just kind of normal. And the thing with football is, is you got it on you got it on Sunday, you got it on Monday, and you got it on Thursday. So the reality is, is I think after a week or two of watching football and watching a bunch of games, I think people are going to get used to it. But it's still... It's still going to be very interesting to see how things happen because unlike baseball, unlike basketball, um, you know, even unlike soccer and, you know, I guess hockey, there's definitely more contact. But, I mean, the NFL is going to have a ton of contact. So, I mean, you're not only counting the, you know, you're not only counting the players and the coaching staff and stuff like that, but, I mean, you're talking with baseball, there's very minimal contact that actually goes on from a player to player from other team perspective. And with football, I mean, the entire point of football is to make contact with the other team. So, you know, it, that, that's going to be another interesting mix. But I do think that the way baseballs handle things, with the way that the NBA's handle things, with the way the NHL's handle things, MLS, uh, I think there's definitely a blueprint out there. Uh, like you pointed out, I don't think the NFL is going to go into a bubble. I think there's been a few players that have actually kind of come out and said, like, you know, my wife is due in a month or two. Like I can't go on, you know, can't do the bubble thing. And I think as long as people are smart, as long as the players are smart and they do what they need to do and they kind of realize that they can't live their normal lives during the season uh, outside of basically going, going to work and going home, which is what a lot of us normal Americans have been doing for a while. If you're working and if not, then you've probably just been staying at home the majority of the time. So it's going to be very interesting, but I think that because there's a blueprint out there with other sports organizations, I think that the NFL can kind of follow suit, which is why I think that this whole agreement with the NFL and NFLPA kind of came into uh, focus and was able to get agreed on so quickly is because there really is a blueprint. We know what needs to be done. We know what needs to happen in order for there to be football. And I think as we're seeing with even stuff like baseball, if you're doing the, the testing the way you should – um, you're going to catch guys that, you know, get it every once in a while. But for the most part, you can kind of keep those guys out of the mix and you're not going to have a huge breakout. So I think there was, what, 95 total positive tests. And again, the unfortunate part with that is we don't know the context of those tests. We don't know if they tested positive and they currently have it because they're sick or they tested positive because they carry the antibodies or what the deal is. Um, but at least they're doing this now. At least they'll have the testing period you know, we're, we're basically a month and a half before the season starts. So, you know, everybody shows up next week. Everybody gets tested for, you know, however long it is. And then once you're kind of infiltrated into the system and everything's kind of a go, then hopefully you can kind of keep it under control from there. So I'd assume that numbers will probably fluctuate a little bit just in the very beginning. Um, but I think that overall, by the time the season starts, I think that they're going to be able to get everything situated. But it's going to be interesting to watch because I think, you know, for as exciting as baseball, I mean, baseball opening opening day is basically tomorrow. I mean, there's two games on tomorrow, which would be Thursday, and then the rest of the teams play on Friday. But then after that, it's like you got hockey about to ramp up. You got basketball about to ramp up. MLS has been going. So it's still going to be very interesting to see how baseball and basketball and hockey do um, once the season starts and once everything gets going again to see – if they can keep things under control, if they can keep those positive tests uh, quarantined and kind of out of the way so nobody else gets it. Because all it's going to take to ruin this, um, especially from an NFL perspective, is one outbreak of one team. That's going to be the end of this whole thing. Or there's at least going to be some sort of month or two long, you know, month or two long pause. So I don't know. It's 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 very interesting to monitor, but I'm still kind of being cautious 
closely guarded um, when watching the situation just because, I mean, these guys aren't even out on the field yet. And like you pointed out, I mean, they're still a while away from even practicing. Yeah, I mean, let's just hope there isn't an outbreak. And, yeah, it was like 95 positive tests. I think there was like 56 were actual players, but there wasn't a lot more um, information released on that just yet. You know, every player is going to be tested every single day for the next, you know, two or three weeks before they get to the on-field stuff. And then they have to have, like, the positivity rate down to 5% before they start testing every other day. And then I imagine it has to go down a little lower before they start testing every week. I'll be curious to see what it's going to be in the regular season. Obviously, you know, there will be, you know, injury um, connections with COVID, stuff like that. Uh, Let's hit our first break of the show and we'll come back and talk about some pretty big news that impacts a position on the Bears offense. Uh, It kind of broke last night with the NFL and NFLPA. We'll be right back and we'll discuss that. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves, and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Welcome back here to the Bear Report Podcast. Uh, Aaron, before you know, hit that break, we were kind of talking about some changes with the new NFL season and kind of how it's going on the fly, the NFL, the NFLPA, um, you know, kind of meeting and talking and, and getting things right. One of the things that was brought up during Tuesday's meeting, I had to make sure I had my date here, right? You know, when, when you're in this quarantine, uh, your dates kind of get all mixed up, your days get all mixed up. But Tuesday night, they met, and one of the topics that they came to an agreement, um, the NFL is going to propose there be no preseason games played. Now, a couple weeks ago, the news broke that there would be just two preseason games played with the NFL canceling two of them. Now it doesn't look like we're going to get any preseason games played at all this season. Instead, players will have like an extra couple weeks for a ramp-up period to get set um, for the start of the NFL season, which is actually 50 days away from when we're recording this here on Wednesday for me, that's significant. And I know it's significant for you as well, because you wrote on it today on a, on a piece published in the bear report. This has a pretty big impact on the bears position battles, specifically a quarterback. That's the biggest one this off season with the acquisition of Nick Foles. And now Trubisky and Foles haven't been on the field doing any work, you know, with team organized activities. Trubisky has been working with some of the players on offense, Foles has been, you know, stuck down in Florida, hasn't really moved back up to Chicago yet. Imagine he'll be here, you know, within the week. But the Bears aren't going to have any, you know, time or any game film from the preseason to kind of evaluate their quarterback battle. They're going to have to look at film from when Foles was in Philadelphia, when Foles was in Jacksonville, and the past couple years with Trubisky. That's pretty damn significant. Yeah, no, I mean, it's huge. I mean, again, we, we talk about the quarterback stuff all the time. The difference is here is there's actually something to talk about, and it's it, it's more to the impact of this doesn't help the Bears. This doesn't – this because basically what this is is whoever the front runner may be. I mean, we both think it's Foles. I mean, I've seen quite a few people think it's going to be Trubisky. None of us really know. The reality is is whoever – is the front runner at this point is likely going to win the job because there's just not going to be enough time. And I've seen people making arguments that, 
you know, there's there's an, there's going to be enough time. There's going to be enough to do for them to, you know, be able to really have a true quarterback competition. I don't believe it. And I don't believe it for a, a few reasons. One of them being that there's been no offseason activities in terms of physical activities. You can only learn so much from Zoom calls and different stuff like that in terms of where players are at. And then now you're saying, you know, basically that you're going to come in, you're going to do testing, then you're going to do a ramp-up period, and you're basically going to have about – uh, four weeks worth of practice, just practice, not not scrimmages against other teams, not preseason, not nothing, just simply practices against your own team. And that's how you're going to judge the quarterback competition. I mean, we're talking about taking away an entire offseason, an entire offseason where you're basically, the entire offseason is going to consist of four weeks worth of practices before week one. And you damn well know, I mean, this is just the reality of the situation, really, when you're looking at it. The Bears are probably going to want to know who their starting quarterback is probably at least a week before the season. You'd have to think. I mean, and that's the thing. So all of a sudden you're talking about three weeks worth of judging to figure out who's going to be the best. And how much – I mean, that's the other thing. How much can you really learn during practice? And and my best example would be how many times over the last, let's just say, five to seven years have people gone to camp every single year religiously? They go and they watch and they – and Ryan Nall and, and, and Tanner Gentry and, you know, uh, really even Javon Wims. I mean, you could, there's multiple guys that you could name that have been training camp stars that everybody loves and, is, you know, thinks is going to have this huge impact. And then they get into the regular season and they do absolutely nothing. And, again, that just goes to show you that the reality of it is, is training camp practices against your own team in a controlled environment like that simply aren't the same thing, and it, and if you really look, I mean, if you were going off of training camp performances versus how the roster looks and how playing time falls out, it usually doesn't really translate that much. And that's my whole entire point here is that it's just a situation where the Bears aren't going to get a true look at what they have. They're not going to see who the better quarterback is. There's not going to be a true competition because there can't be. There's There can't be time and enough resources for a true competition. So I'm not saying that it's the end of the world. I'm not saying you should hit the panic button on the season. All I'm saying is their quarterback decision is going to have to be made with some sort of bias. And the reality of it is, is whoever's going in as a front runner is likely going to win the job because I don't see how these two guys can separate themselves in three weeks with practice against each other before they need to prep for the season. I just don't see how it's going to happen. And it's unfortunate because this is the first quarterback uh, competition that the Bears have had since, what was it, 2007, right before they got Cutler? I mean, it's one of those situations where they, you know, it, it's this is the first true quarterback competition that they've had. Because if you really go back, and some people keep, a lot of people keep noting Mike Glennon versus Trubisky, that was never a competition. I don't know if people remember, but Ryan Pace and John Fox were both very, very, very clear during that, that offseason and training camp and preseason that Mike Glennon was a starter. It was never a competition because if it was a competition, Trubisky would have won the competition because, let's just be honest, Mike Glennon looked awful. I mean, he looked awful in the regular season. But the point being is is this is the first open competition that they've had in over a decade, and they're not even going to get the full competition out of it. So, again, I mean, we kind of both talked about it a little bit. I mean, the reality is is a track record for both of these guys, Trubisky and Foles, is that neither one of them are likely to play the full season. But the issue is, is the Bears have a very easy – or I shouldn't say very easy, but on paper they have a very favorable schedule through the first five or six games of the season. Obviously, there's two decently tough matchups in there, but for the most part it's a pretty favorable start to the season – 
And ultimately, they need to get off to a good start. And one of the big things that needs to change this year is the Bears' offense needs to be more productive and they need to be able to score more points and they need to be able to control the ball more. And the reality of it is, is a lot of that's going to come from the quarterback situation. And if they don't make the right decision out of the gate, that's not even that's not to guarantee that either one of these guys is truly the answer because I think that if you talk to most people, I don't think anybody's really convinced that either one of these guys is going to do anything special this year. But you still want the better of the two quarterbacks. And again, I just don't see how the Bears are going to be able to find that in four weeks of practices and really three weeks of meaningful practices before they have to start getting ready for the regular season. Yeah, you know, with the preseason games, it would have been one thing. I mean, even with the two, you could have given Trubisky a start. It could have given Foles a start. And I go back to those comments when, I believe it was back in March or April, right after they signed Foles, and Matt Nagy, one of the first times he met the media, you know, after free agency, said, yeah, Trubisky will get the, you know, the first snaps. He'll be out there first. But both players are going to work with the first-team offense. So when you look at these training camp practices and when they're actually going to hit on the field work, both players are going to get their shot with the first-team offense. But I'm with you. It's going to be hard you know, to kind of just judge it and grade it based on training camp practices um, for however many weeks it is. And like you said, you're going to want to have your starter you know, named and announced and at least the guy you have in your mind with a couple weeks before the season starts to get him as much reps as he can get him familiar. And plus you kind of want to make that statement to your team. Like, okay, here's who we're going with. The worst thing the bears could do is wait until the week before the season starts, you know, the days before week one, when they're in Detroit to name a starter, I don't think they'll do that, but that'd be absolutely the worst case scenario for them. And I'm also with you on, I think we're going to see both. I mean, history's told us with the injuries that both quarterbacks have suffered. We're going to see both quarterbacks at some point this season. I hope it's it's whoever's the week one starter takes a job and runs with it and, and plays very well. But whether it's injuries or poor play, um, I think we're going to see both. The other thing to think about is, you know, I, I do think that it is going to be Foles. If I had a bet right now, it would be Foles. If the Bears aren't ready to fully give up on Mitchell Trubisky just yet, and they do say they do name him the week one starter, I think having Foles as a backup right there really makes it a short lease for Trubisky. I mean, he could be if he's playing really bad week one, you could pull him whenever. And essentially, I think that kind of plays a factor into their decision. Say, you know, they, they're they like, well, you know, we wanted to go with Trubisky. We really didn't know or see Foles in any preseason action, and he's kind of been struggling the preseason. We'll go with Trubisky, but the, the leash is going to be a little short. I think it also kind of works the other way around. For me, it's going to be very interesting to watch, and the focus is going to be on the quarterback um, competition all throughout training camp. That's going to grab all the headlines. That's going to be the main attention. It'll just be interesting to see kind of how they do this all um, and how it really impacts the quarterback battle. The other thing I want to talk about before we get into the defensive preview is there's also a suggested cut of 10 players to get your roster down to 80 when you report to training camp instead of the traditional 90 um, you know it may not seem like a huge deal but when you also look at it I mean that's 10 guys right away likely 10 undrafted free agents um, that probably aren't going to get a chance to even make an impact on the field or show coaches they, they they can make an impact on the field because they haven't been on on the field at all and I was kind of going through thinking, okay, who, you know, who, what positions are they deep at? Um, obviously they're not going to cut anyone from quarterback running back. 
I could see possibly wide receiver, maybe if they want to move on from someone like um, Trevor Davis or or, um, or Reggie Davis. And then you look at tight end, and you have what nine to ten players. They might want to you know trim some off of there. I looked at kicker. Maybe we won't have the kicker competition. Uh, a little bit of outside linebacker. There's there's a couple candidates. Even you know Khalil Mack's little brother or, or Lacole London. But for me, it's going to be interesting to see the 10 players that they kind of do trim down to get to that 80 before uh, camp starts. Well, I think you pretty much nailed it. I think you're basically looking at undrafted free agents and then also uh, the you know the, the free agents that they signed towards the end of the year that were basically like the futures guys. And I, I think that's really what it's going to come down to. And somebody mentioned earlier, they said something, well, the Bears have a terrible back end of the roster. Well, to be completely honest, every single team, doesn't have a good back end of the roster because there's not enough good players for every single team to have a stacked roster one through 90 when you're talking about a 90 man roster. So yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, ultimately from that perspective, it's very, very unfortunate for those players. It's very unfortunate for undrafted free agents as a whole, just because they already didn't really, they didn't have the tryout situation. So they they weren't able to, you know, go out and win jobs and then, you know, to even get to the 90 man roster. And now you're talking about cutting more. So yeah, kind of like you pointed out, I think receiver is an area where they'll cut because they've got 13 receivers. They've got nine tight ends. I think that's another area where you can basically say, okay, you know, you got, um, you know, Adam Shaheen, Eric Sauber, Darian Clark. Uh, you know, you got names like that where you could probably cut some fat right out of the gate. And I think the other one that kind of stands out is DB. There's 18 total DBs on this team right now. And the reality of it is, is that you're probably not going to be running a ton of third teams and you can probably rotate some of those second team guys into the third team if you wanted to. So, I mean, I would expect that once they come to some sort of an agreement that they'll, you know, that they'll make the mass cuts. It's just a very unfortunate thing for a lot of these guys because the reality of it is, is there's going to be 10 guys that even if they didn't have a shot at the 53-man roster for these teams, they still had a shot to at least make the extended practice squad, which is, you know, it's that's that's another factor. So, I mean, the other way of looking at this is if, the, you know, most teams are going to basically be cutting from um, basically, you know, 80 down to 53, and then they're going to be able to establish what is it, because the practice squad's got extended this year to 12, and then there was some talk about possibly adding like 15 you know, totaling up to 15 or 16. So you could see the majority of the guys that land on the 80 man roster could end up on the roster in some way, shape or form, even if it's on the practice squad. So it's again, I mean, it's just a very, you know, just a very unconventional uh, off season that's going to do nothing but get even more unconventional when things actually get going. And I mean, like we pointed out, we're still weeks away from even getting practice reports from people like Zach. Um, that are actually going to be there at practice. I mean, we're weeks away from that right now, which is unfortunate because usually the start of camp is a very exciting thing and fans get to go enjoy it. And that's really kind of the start of the kickoff of the, the football season. And for me, I've always been in places where it's really hot. It's kind of one of those things where I'm like, man, you know, got one more month, maybe a you know, month and a half worth of heat, but I can get through it because at least there'll be preseason football. We don't get any of that. I mean, it's going to be zero to 60 and they're going to go from practicing to playing their first game within about a four to five week span, which is going to be pretty crazy. Yeah, I, I saw a throwback. Um, I believe it was yesterday. We were in Decatur um, last season for Matt Nagy and, and um, Ryan Pace's training camp kickoff, uh, you know, press conference because they wanted to, you know, pay homage to the the franchise's roots. 
And then, boom, we're in Bourbon A. And it's like, I feel like I should be driving to Bourbon A. I know the Bears aren't hosting camp there anymore. But, I mean, that would be a big change. And now I'm like, you know, I was thinking, like, we talked before the show. I mean, when will it be the first practice I actually get to report on and cover? It might not be until middle of August, which is just going to be so odd. And then from there, I think it's just going to kind of all hit you all at once. It's just going to be fast-paced. And before we know it, it's going to be, what, September 13th is week one? So, yeah, football will be here before we know it. Um, barring any crazy, you know, tragic things with, with COVID-19 or any setbacks. So, I mean, yeah, I feel like it'll hit us all at once. And it's definitely an odd, odd offseason season. I, I really don't know how to put it into words, but it's it's not boring, but it's just like it's kind of a wait and see type off season. Uh, Aaron, let's hit our second break of the show. We'll be back to um, preview the defensive side of the football as we prepare for training camp here in 2020. Welcome back here to the Bear Report podcast. Uh, Aaron, let's just get into this defensive preview. Last week, we you know kind of broke down the offensive side of the football as we approach training camp. This week, we'll do defense. We'll wrap things up next week, talk a little special teams and coaching. And, you know, totally different for this, for defense compared to offense, just because offense is, you know, it's one position. We feel like it's really one position, maybe the offensive line as well, for this team to be a contender. When I talk about the Bears defense and think about the Bears defense, I don't see a, a setback going this year. I think they can get even better. And, you know, most people like to look at, you know, when you go to ESPN or NFL, they kind of organize, you know, the, the best defensive teams by stats of, of yards per game and points per game. And, yeah, that's, you know, that's important. But when you look at DVOA, one of the stats I and the metrics I really like and I like to look at, the Bears were top 10 last season in that. And, yeah, you know, they, they weren't as good rushing the passer, um, I was actually writing about this for outside linebackers. The Bears averaged just two two sacks per game last season, which was down a full sack from 2018. And when I look at defense, you know, there's some question marks. Um, who's going to start opposite of Kyle Fuller? Who, who's going to really start a strong safety? Should be Sean Gibson um, and things like that. But I look at this defense and I go back to the pass rush. They got to find a way to get more pressure on the quarterback. And, and granted, they didn't have Akeem Hicks for most of the season last year. Defenses or offenses saw that, tried to run right up the middle against the Bears. They could, you know, kind of key in on, on Cleo Mack a little more, chip and double team him. And the other aspect of it, Leonard Floyd didn't produce when Mack was getting those double teams. Now you add Robert Quinn, and it's like, okay, you're adding a guy in Quinn who was second in. Um, Pressures generated per pass rush snap on 14%, only behind Zedaria Smith of Green Bay. Khalil Mack was a top, I think he was top 10 on that list as well. So you put those two guys on the edge. The pass rush should be a lot better, along with getting um, getting Akeem Hicks back healthy. Now defenses can't just, oh, we're going to chip and double Mack. Oh, we're going to chip and double Quinn. Oh, we got to focus on Hicks. I mean, it's just almost kind of uh, pick your poison for you know opposing offensive coordinators. Yeah, and that's, you know, you, you kind of nail it there with the top 10 DVOA last year with this defense. This defense is still really good, and I think that some people kind of forget that where they weren't as dominant as they were um, in 2018, and some people say it's because of the defensive coordinator switch. I think a lot of it had to do with simply the offense was just a whole nother level of bad, and there was injuries on the defense side of the ball. And, you know, you talk about the pass rush, and I think that was one area where they definitely needed to improve. I don't know. I, don't get me wrong. I like the Robert Quinn signing. 
But I don't know that going out and, you know, basically uh, dropping Leonard Floyd and going out and spending, you know, $13 million a year uh, on, or 15, I can't remember what it was anymore, on uh, Robert Quinn was, you know, the greatest idea long term. But when you look at what they have on this depth chart right now, you got Cleo Mack, who I don't care what anybody says, he's still a top three edge rusher in this league. He had a little bit of a down year last year. People are freaking out acting like he's not the same player as he was. He's still in the prime of his career. And then, like you said, you add Robert Quinn, um, you know, and they and they add some depth, too. I mean, that last year, their third outside linebacker, because realistically, Aaron Lynch was more of a defensive lineman because of his weight than he was an outside linebacker, was Isaiah Irving. Now Isaiah Irving may not even make this team. you got Travis Gibson, who they spent a fifth-round pick on, um, or was it a fourth-round pick? Therefore, yeah, I guess it was, a- it was one of the three fifth round. They traded up for him, though. Yeah, see, I, man, it's been such a long offseason. <laughs> I can't even remember half this stuff. So, yeah, it was one of the three fifth round picks. They signed Barkevius Mingo, who's more of a special teams guy, but he is a former first round pick, and maybe he can provide flashes at times. You still got James Waters on the roster. I mean, this is this outside linebacker group isn't, I wouldn't say it's elite by any means, but I think it's really damn good, and I think it's going to provide more of a pass rush than we saw last year because, again, outside of Khalil Mack, I mean, the Bears did not produce in the sack department from the outside linebacker position. Even when you look at Leonard Floyd, Leonard Floyd was not a sack artist. I mean, he had the one year as rookie year where he racked up a decent amount of sacks and he was actually a pretty productive pass rusher. But that's something that the Bears have been lacking plus the depth. So I think that they definitely improved there. I mean, they sunk some uh, resources into that. And I think that that's going to be a big key this year is getting that consistent pass rush, which is going to allow the secondary to do more of a sync. Because, I mean, Chuck Pagano is a secondary guy, um, you know, at heart. I mean, that's that's what he's always been known for. So if you get that better pass rush uh, and more consistently you have better depth where you can keep these guys fresher, I think that definitely bodes well for the defense to get back into the top five, you know, versus the top ten. Yeah, and I'm with you on the long term. Maybe spending all that money on Robert Quinn's not smart, but, I mean, is Ryan Pace really planning for the long term here? I think this is a big year for Ryan Pace. If the Bears fall flat on their face, I mean, his job's in jeopardy. I think for him it's, okay, let's win now. Let's let's give it a shot with Foles or Trubisky. Hope the offense is better. Let's hope the defense is, is dominant. Uh, I think that's kind of the way of thinking. Um, I think the Quinn signing will be fine the first couple of years. It probably will come back to, to bite him down the road, but, I mean, it's also likely Ryan Pace might not be here in, in three to four years. Looking at the defensive line, though, and, and kind of combining it with that front seven that the Bears do have, they have the potential to be a dominant front seven and uh, among the best in the NFL. And I already mentioned that Hicks is coming back. Another player that you know had his 2019 season hampered a bit by uh, a hand injury was Blau Nichols, and he had a fantastic rookie season, broke out. You know, I think he had four or five sacks um, in his rookie season was really damn good um, as, as a fifth round pick. And he hurts his hand right away last season and he's got to wear the cast. And we saw what that did with Leonard Floyd the year before that certainly impacted him, but to get him healthy and looking at his Instagram, it looks like he kind of uh, trimmed the weight down and put on a little more muscle, maybe get him a little faster, add some more speed um, to him as a lineman. I, I, I look at him as a, real big rebound, you know, type of bounce back season. And if they get that from Nichols and and you got Akeem Hicks and and Eddie Goldman kind of plays better than he did last season, I mean, that defensive line has a lot of depth on it. You look at Roy Robertson Harris, uh, they could could keep John Jenkins as a veteran on there. He's kind of versatile. And the one thing I really want to go back to is when 
we were talking to um, the, the assistant coaches on on um, I believe it was in June about or yeah about uh, you know the team and we got to update with them. Jay Rogers really talked about versatility and he kind of hinted that they might you know shuffle some guys around and what he likes is that almost everyone on that line can play almost every position, giving them versatility and they, and they all kind of you know practice at every position so. You know, if, if, if Akeem Hicks ha- does have to come out and someone has to slot in for him, that's fine. Same with Eddie Goldman. Um, if he has to come out for a couple of snaps and you need someone to slot in at the nose tackle spot, you can do that. Overall, I think this defensive line is going to be great again. And the Bears have been one of the best run defensive teams, you know, one of the best teams in stopping the run the past couple of years. I see that trend continuing. Now, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but what do you kind of see the future of this defense going in 2020, uh, particularly on the defensive line? Well, I think when you look around the league right now um, and you look at deep units as a whole, like you're talking top-end talent, you're talking depth, uh, you're talking, you know, starting quality as a whole, I think you would be hard-pressed to find a better overall unit offensive or defensive uh than the bears defensive line i mean they are very deep like you pointed out i mean obviously everybody knows who Keem hicks is everybody knows who eddie goldman is but i mean there's there's other names on this this defensive line that could do damage i mean roy robertson harris had somewhat of a breakout year last year but all nichols is looking to kind of rebound from a down year uh last year after a really good rookie year i mean john jenkins is somebody that they they re-signed that can fill in at the no tackle position he can also play some five tech as well you got brent urban uh dual anderson had flashes as well i mean you could basically kind of pick and choose you know who you want on this on this depth chart who you want on this roster at this point in time and i don't know that there's really a wrong decision i think they'll end up keeping six guys um and i think ultimately the battle is going to come down between john jenkins brent urban and then uh, dual anderson as well but i mean there's so much depth on this defensive line and obviously if a guy like Akeem Hicks goes down again, that's going to be really hard to replace. I mean, there's a reason that Akeem Hicks has so much value to this defense and why he's so good as a defensive lineman. But the nice thing is, is they have rotational depth where you pointed out, and I think that's going to be a big key this year is keeping these guys fresh and maybe not having Akeem Hicks on the field for 85, 90% of the snaps and, and relying on guys more like Roy Robertson, Harris, and Bilal Nichols, because the reality is that, you know, at some point in time, I mean, Akeem Hicks is going to continue to get older. At some point in time, you know, the, the money and the value versus what he's giving them may not really line up much anymore. And you would like to see whether it's Nichols or Robertson Harris be able to step in and kind of fill that role. Again, I mean, Roy Robertson Harris will be a free agent uh, at the end of this, this coming season. Um, he's, you know, he's the restricted free agent now. But it, it's just kind of worth keeping an eye on. But again, I mean, this is this is a very, very deep unit. And again, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a deeper or better overall unit in the league when you're talking any position, you know, any position at all. I think the Bears defensive line is right up there with any of them. Yeah, and the importance of Akeem Hicks cannot be understated. We saw that last season. We've talked about when he went down, you know, the pass rush struggled. Teams attacked the middle, um, specifically Josh Jacobs in that Raiders game. It was just every, every rush was almost up the middle against them, and the Bears really couldn't stop it. Aaron, before we kind of get into the secondary here, let's take our final break of the show. We'll come back to talk about the secondary and wrap things up here on the Bear Report Podcast. Welcome back in here to the Bear Report Podcast. 
And let's continue our preview here, looking at the defensive side of the football. We talked defensive line. We talked outside linebackers. Kind of wrap up the front seven here. Let's look at inside linebackers. And looking at last season, you know, the Bears went into the year. It was Roquan Smith. It was Danny Trevathan as a starters. You know, everyone kind of expected Roquan to take that next step after what was a really good rookie season. But then both of them got hurt. Um, there was also the, the mysterious incident with, with Roquan missing the week four game against the Minnesota Vikings. And by the end of the year, you know, there was a feeling, and you saw it was um, Kevin Pierre-Lewis and Nick Kwiatkowski who stepped in and replaced both Trevathan and Smith. And I think there was an argument to be made that, you know, those that duel had a better year than what Trevathan and Smith did. I'm not saying they're, you know, more talented or, or going to be better in their new homes, but... I mean, overall, I think they had a better season than Smith and, and Trevathan. Now, Kukowski's not here. KPL's not here. They're they're both on with new teams uh, for this season. The Bears did decide to bring back Danny Trevathan, and now they pair him up again with Roquan Smith. But the depth behind them is my biggest concern. I mean, you look and behind them at, at the inside linebacker spot, you have a couple guys competing. I'm not very sold um, – on any of these guys to, to if, you know, Roquan does go down or if Danny Trevathan uh, goes down, that anyone can kind of step in and and take over and be that guy like we saw Kwiatkowski or we saw um, KPL do last season. And that's kind of worries me because, you know, you look at the injury history for Danny Trevathan, he hasn't been able to put, you know, a full 16-game season together. I think it's only once in his time with the Bears so far. And then you look at Roquan, and yeah, this is a big year for him. He's got to take that next step. But to me, they're doomed if they have to go um, if they have to go beyond those guys to backups. And you're looking at guys like Josh Woods or uh, Joel Igubawe, um, Devontae Bond, players like that, and then some undrafted free agents that they have. Yeah, the, the depth definitely took a hit. I mean, the starter is going to be the same. Um, I think. You know, Roquan, like you said, has got to take that next step. I mean, you look at just what some of the other linebackers taken behind him. Tremaine Edmonds has been outstanding. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where you look at it. I mean, you can, you can say that there's been a few different linebackers taken after him that have actually had better careers so far. Again, two years in, we'll see. Uh, but, yeah, I think he hit it. I think he hit it pretty well there. I mean, the depth is going to be the question mark here. And I think it's kind of worth noting that at least going into – training camp and preseason last year uh you know kevin pierre lewis is a guy that was signed in may and i don't know if you remember and i, I don't know you know if a lot of other people remember but there are a lot of people calling for nick Lukowski to get cut um towards the end of preseason you know so it's one of those things where i'm not saying that the, you know these guys are just gonna be plug and play i think it's i think it's they're big years for josh woods and iggy because i think the thing is is iggy that pick still makes zero sense to me take him in the fourth round out of a small school and he really hasn't had much of a role except for special teams. And they seem to really like Josh Woods. And really, to be completely honest with you, I haven't really seen much from him. outside. I, I mean, I know the Bears like him. I know the Bears rave about him. But haven't really seen anything from him to see why they like him so much. So I, I would definitely say that depth is a question mark here. Devontae Bond is definitely going to be an interesting guy. Uh, you know, maybe he's the, you know, the, the, the Kevin Pierre-Lewis of this year where he kind of, you know, puts it all together or whatever. I mean, we'll just have to see. But... Yeah, depth is, depth is definitely going to be a little bit of a question mark. Hopefully, uh, you know, Roquan doesn't miss any time. And if Trevathan misses any time, it's nothing too serious. But, yeah, depth here is definitely taking a hit over what it was last year. 
Um, but hopefully within the system, I mean, both Woods and Iggy um, and even really Bond. I mean, Bond is, was, was on the practice squad last year. So, I mean, they've been in the system a little bit. So I'm hoping that, you know, overall that it won't be too crazy of a transition if they have to go to one of those guys. But again, it's definitely going to be more of a question mark than it was last year for sure because there's no proven track record outside of the starters. Yeah, I mean, it's going to come down. We know what Danny Trevathan can do and Roquan Smith can do talent-wise. It's just going to come down to if they can stay healthy. And if they can, you know, the Bears inside linebackers will be will be fine. No one's questioning the talent. It's just questioning the ability to stay healthy and, and play a full 16-game season. Let's transition over here to the secondary, and um, this is where we have two of, of the bigger uh, position battles. The Bears still say that uh, Deshaun Gibson and, and Deion Bush will, will battle for the strong safety spot alongside Eddie Jackson. You know, you and I both seem to think that it's going to be Gibson that wins the job. It should be. And looking at him last year, a lot of people like to say, well, with HaHa Clinton Dix, Eddie Jackson was kind of forced to play in the box a little more. They were interchangeable, and, and that might be true, but I think that's also kind of the way that the NFL is going with the safety position. When we talked to Gibson, he said, I mean, yeah, my career, I've played strong safety. I played free safety. Uh, I've kind of done it all, and he, and, and he alluded to you have to be able to do it all because they're interchanging guys left and right. You know, the strong safety might not always play in the box. It might be the, the free safety's job at times with just how things are changing. Now... I think there is an argument to be made that, yeah, sure, Eddie Jackson's production was a little down because he was in the, in the box at, at times and, and not in his free safety centerfold, you know, center field role where he could pick off the ball. But, I mean, Eddie Jackson wasn't bad last season, and there's a narrative going around by the national media that you know somehow he's either just in the top 10 or he's a fringe top 10 safety, and maybe he regressed a bit. I don't know about you, but I didn't really see that at all from Jackson. I still think he's a top five safety, and I would definitely take him on this Bears defense. Well, here's the thing, right? The the NFL is a year-to-year league, what have you done for me now type of situation. It, it's always been that way, and the Bears in 2018 going into 2019 in terms of overall player recognition – Definitely got the better part of that. And this year, they're get, definitely getting the worst part of it. I mean, it was at one point, you know, this time last year, Eddie Jackson was regarded as a top two or top three safety. Uh, Akeem Hicks was regarded as one of, if not the best defensive lineman in football. Khalil Mack was the best edge rusher in football. You know, the, the list goes on and on and on of all the different players that all of a sudden, you know, the people are acting like aren't that good anymore. I think the reality for the secondary is 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 simple here, right? They they threw some they threw some darts at corner with just you know some veteran guys, and then obviously they went out and they they spent money and and uh, spent money they they spent a pick and uh, you know fifty overall and, and got Jalen Johnson. So I, I think cornerback two is going to be interesting just because I think Tolliver and Johnson, you know, again going back to the battle, I don't know how much of a battle you're going to be able to see. Maybe they rotate. I don't know. I, it's going to be very interesting. Usually rookie corners do struggle a little bit, um, so there's definitely a little bit of a question mark there. I, I, you know, I, I get what you're saying in terms of them saying that Gibson and Bush are going to battle it out. Gibson's a better player. I don't, I, you know, I know the Bears like Deion Bush more than most people seem to like Deion Bush, as as evidenced by the fact that. You know, he was a free agent, and the Bears ended up re-signing him for basically pennies. But the reality is, is Deshaun Gibson is just a better player, and I think he's a better scheme fit for what Chuck Pagano wants to do because we've seen that Pagano wants 
more of a roaming uh, guy with some rangy coverage is a strong safety. He basically wants interchangeable safeties versus that in the box kind of you know kind of guy at strong safety. So I think overall, I think the secondary definitely has a little more questions than it did the year before. But I still think I mean it's got good depth. I mean you look at corner. Um, you know, there's going to be one starting position that's going to be new, but I think between Jalen Johnson, uh, Kevin Tolliver, Artie Burns, and even a guy like Trey Robertson, I, I think they can get that thing figured out. And then at strong safety, I mean, Deion Bush isn't the worst option in the world, but I do think that Tashawn Gibson's going to going to end up winning that job. So I mean, it's not it's not as stable as it once was in terms of starters, and there's there's some questions there for battles. But I think when you look at the overall talent, I mean, this defense as a whole, in my opinion, is still a very talented unit, uh, maybe not as young as they were a few years ago, obviously, but at the same time, this is still a really good unit that should still produce at a very, very high level, and it should give the room for error on offense a little bit more than you know most teams would have in that regard. Yeah, and, and you know the secondary also has the two big competitions for the starting spots, and you touched on it a little bit with the defensive backs. They, they drafted Jalen Johnson high. He, he's kind of a player that, you know, if he didn't have the injuries, he probably would have been a first-round pick. And I think he fits in well with his defense. He talks about playing the chip on his shoulder and, and, and being a physical cornerback. And he's open, you know, to playing the other side of the field. It's just, to me, we haven't seen him on the field yet, but I really like the confidence the kid has. He just kind of oozes out that confidence and a little bit of that swagger that I think will fit in very well with his defense. And when you look at the defensive back, you know, the starting spot opposite of Kyle Fuller, you look at that competition, I think the Bears are in kind of a good shape here because let's say Kevin Tolliver wins a job. I I think Jalen Johnson will play at some point in this season, and you could have a very capable backup in Johnson if Tolliver does struggle. And you flip it around, if Johnson does start, they go with the rookie. I mean, if he starts to struggle the first couple of weeks, it's not like, you know, going to Kevin Tolliver is the worst option. We saw what Tolliver did last season when he had to fill in for Prince of Mukamura. I think both are going to be upgrades over Mukamura. I liked Mukamura the signing when, when they had him in in 2018. Last season, he just, it, it seemed like his game just went down a notch and, and he was getting burned. I mean, remember that Thanksgiving game where Galladay just, just absolutely burned him on, on, um, the Lions' first touchdown, and then you look at the Green Bay game when Amukamura was struggling. Tolliver came in and replaced him, and he did it against uh, Devontae Adams and Mari Cooper, two of the best wide receivers in this game. Now, Cooper did have that long touchdown catch, but that was just, you know, Amari Cooper being Amari Cooper. I'm confident that, you know, while it is still a big question mark and it actually could be a weakness on this defense, I'm confident the Bears have two capable guys at least, and it, for me, it's not a huge question mark just, I mean, it is a question mark. It's a big question mark, but I don't think it's the end of the world type of question mark where it's like, okay, if they don't find their solution, they're going to be in deep trouble. I think they're going to find it with one of those two guys. Yeah, and I, I agree. Again, it, it's not, I'm not, when I'm looking at the, the competition, I don't think it's an issue. I, I really don't. I don't think it's one of those situations where, you know, either one of these spots is 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 too big of a problem. I think it's just going to be who they go with, and you know, if that person sticks or if they end up having to kind of switch things around. But again, they have good depth at both positions. I mean, 
you know, safety maybe not as much as corner, but I mean corner. There's there's a bunch of names in there where you know they could they could kind of mix and match a little bit. Like I pointed out, I mean Kevin Tolliver and Jalen Johnson would talk at cornerback too. But I mean Artie Burns was also a former starter and a former first round pick, and they also have Trey Roberson, who's a guy that. Uh, they really like coming out of the CFL that's going to get a shot as well. I mean, they could slot him in at safety. I don't know. I mean, he's kind of more of a versatile defensive back. But, I mean, there are options here. I mean, the Bears have have at least stacked some chips, granted some unproven chips, but they stacked some chips, especially at the cornerback position. Again, that's strong safety. I I don't really consider it much of a competition. I Again, I get it. I get what they're saying. I just don't buy it. I think Gibson is, is the better player. He's a more established player. And if he's healthy, then he's going to be the starter there. I just don't really see much of a competition there. Deion Bush is what he is. He's a good third safety that can come in and he can spot start. And he can come in when needed. He's unspectacular. Um, and frankly, I just don't think he's really that good. And I think that his, his coverage ability is very limited. His playmaking ability is very limited. And I think that Gibson gives you... Um, the best of both worlds and and more than what Bush can give you on his best day, in my opinion. So that's just my take. But I think corner as a whole, corner two, I'm not too concerned about it. I, I think they got enough names in there where they can they can get it figured out, even if they need to kind of rotate guys in and out and, and, and figure it out. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching Jalen Johnson. I think that, that was actually the Bears' best pick of the entire draft. And I think if he gets the opportunity and a fair shot, I think he's going to be the one that ends up winning that competition. Let's kind of wrap things up here. Last week we did our favorite, you know, position battles on offense. Let's kind of switch it up. Let's kind of do, uh, let's do bold predictions for the uh, defense. We'll each give one of our bold predictions going into training camp. Uh, did you want to start first, Aaron, or do you want me to go? Uh, go ahead. Lead it off here. All right, I'll lead off. So with my bold prediction, you know, I want to say something like the Bears will, you know, be back to that level of takeaways that they were in 2018. Um, I don't think that's necessarily a big, bold prediction, but I'll say this. I think there is going to be a defensive back on this roster. Let's say they'll have, I'm trying to think, I'm struggling between eight to nine interceptions, but I think they'll get close to double digits in interceptions uh, this season. I, I look and I think Kyle Fuller is a very good cornerback. Um, he's had his problems you know, with interceptions and catching the football in years past. But, you know, looking at last season, he had, I believe it was, what, three interceptions coming off that seven in 2018. I'll make a bold prediction that it'll either be Fuller or Jalen Johnson that will have, let's say, eight interceptions on the year. Interesting. Well, I'm going to go with Khalil Mack here. I think a lot of people have been sleeping on him after a down year in terms of stats go. I I think Khalil Mack's going to come back with a vengeance, almost kind of like what what happened with J.J. Watt, where – he kind of fell off a little bit. Obviously, there were some injuries with J.J. Watt, and then he had that resurgence out of nowhere. And I think Khalil Mack is going to have that resurgence this year after a little bit of a down year last year. I'm going to say that he's going to have 15 or more sacks this year. I think he's going to truly establish himself as the top edge rusher in the entire league again, and I think people are going to feel really stupid for doubting him or, or even thinking that he's outside the top five at this point. Yeah, I'm with you on that as well. Um yeah, Aaron, so where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? Yeah, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL, and you can read my work on thebearreport.com. Yeah, Aaron had a really good article today. We just published it about the quarterback situation, the competition with no preseason. I recommend you guys go read it. You can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at, at Bear Report. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Zach, Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. 
We'll be back next week to uh, preview special teams coaching and hopefully have a little more training camp news as the full team will be uh, reported to Hallis Hall. I believe it's Tuesday the 28th. So we'll have some news. We won't really have any on-the-field stuff. But we'll have some training camp news, and we'll break it all down for you. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe on all major podcasting platforms. Until next week, everyone stay safe, and we'll talk to you later. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.